Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts, Max and Liz. This podcast is brought to you by Playful World Ministries. Max, Liz, and all the characters and adventures of the Epic Order of the Seven were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. Oh, and by the way, as you listen to this episode from the audiobook, The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud, keep in mind, you can download your very own copy of it by visiting www.audible.com. And you can find the entire collection of the Epic Order of the Seven on Jenny's website, www.epicorderofthe7.com. That's epicorderofthe7.com. On today's episode, we'll bring you Chapter 6 of The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud. And each week, we'll take a visit to Jenny's Corner, where we'll get to hear from Jenny Cody herself, the creator of The Epic Order of the Seven. Jenny will give us the inside scoop on all her stories, her inspiration, how she comes up with these great ideas, and much more. And she'll read letters from her loyal listeners, maybe even yours. Well, let's get started, shall we? Here's Max and Liz. Oh, merci, Monsieur Announcer. Uh, it's Denny. Uh, so it is. Well, Max, I have to say today's podcast is featuring one of my favorite chapters. Mm, I wonder why. But, well, it's quite simple, Max. I think I know why, lass. Oh. I was born yesterday. Oui. But to bring everyone up to date, I'll set the stage. So far, I had traveled through a great portion of my homeland, Scotland and even used me reed to help me cross a mighty river. <laughs> it was a little quick, Max. Uh, who's telling this part? Oh, pardon, Max. A mighty river indeed. <laughs> it was La Petite Creek. Fine, it were a creek then. Anyway, after a good night's sleep, I continued my journey following the strange fire cloud. And you came to something? I, I came to something big. Uh-huh. Big and? Big and orange. A big orange what? A big orange skeerdick. Oh, no, you don't. <laughs> I'll not be giving it away. I almost got you, Max. But it is better to find it out this way. Here is Chapter 6 of The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud, entitled... Something Big. Très bien. <sighs> Chapter 6 Something Big It was early when Max felt a soft breeze blowing across his face. He opened his eyes and looked out from the inside of the cave to see the fire cloud greet him with a presence that seemed to tell Max to get going again. He stood up, stretching long and hard, shaking from nose tip to tail before picking up his reed. He was still full from last night's supper so he decided to trot a while before stopping to eat. As the morning wore on, Max entered new terrain. He began to see types of trees he had never seen. And the yellow flowers he ran through in the meadow made him smile. What a bunny sight! Gilliman would love these buttercups! Love to eat them, that is! Max chuckled to himself. He followed the pretty flowers along the meadow, his gaze off the fire cloud as he trotted along. Max didn't notice that the dwindling flowers were leading him to the entrance of a great forest. The trees were tall, and he felt as if he were back in the glen that housed his burrow. Fearlessly, Max proceeded into the unfamiliar wooded area, trotting at the same spunky speed as he had across the meadow. He heard the usual sounds of the forest as he heard at home. 
He looked up and wondered the same thoughts he did there. It felt good to have a taste of something familiar in an unfamiliar place. As he got further into the woods, however, the trees grew dense and began to block out his view of the sky above. He could no longer see the fire cloud. Max became concerned. He didn't want to go in the wrong direction. He came to a small clearing that had three trails leading off the far side. Max sat down to consider his choices, laying his reed on the ground. Hmm, here's a puzzle. Which path do I take, I wonder? The left path was the widest of the three, and it bore the footprints of many woodland creatures. The center path was not as wide, but was clearly a route also used by the forest dwellers. It could be a good choice. The right path was much narrower and dense. It was the least appealing of the three paths. Max thought it made the most sense to go on the widest path, where obviously most creatures traveled. His decision made, Max picked up his reed and began to walk toward the left path. Suddenly a voice said, I wouldn't go down that path if I were you. Max dropped his reed and looked at it suspiciously. Aye, are you talking again to me? His reed just sat there and said nothing. Max spun around, but saw no creature who could have uttered the warning. He was getting used to hearing voices telling him what to do, so he decided to heed the voice's advice. He picked up his reed and started down the center path. He heard it again. No, no, that path won't do either. Max stopped and looked around to see if he could find the source of the voice. How did he know if what he was hearing was right? The first two paths were the obvious choices out of the three. He looked at the third path, but it was not very inviting. It was dark, and the entrance had sticker bushes that Max knew would grab his wiry fur. So he sat a minute, puzzled as to what to do. Did you not hear me, lad? said the voice. Max stood up and took one step toward the right path. Sure, that'll do, said the voice. Max couldn't stand it any longer. He had to know where in the world this voice was coming from. After all, he wasn't praying to the Maker, nor was a mysterious wind blowing. How could he trust this voice to guide him? Who is telling me where to go? said Max. Me, of course, replied the voice. Well, me, who are you and where are you? said Max. Max heard a rustle in the tree above the entrance to the right path. Up here, lad. Max looked and didn't see anyone. All he saw was a tall tree with colored leaves of red, orange, and gold, and glimpses of sunlight dancing among them. I don't see ya. Just a bunch of leaves. Aye, great. First talking reeds, now talking leaves, said Max. What kind of nonsense is that? Look harder, lad. I'm here sure as you're standing there below. Max squinted, and this time saw something move among the leaves. It was a tail, a long, bushy, orange-striped tail. He looked harder and saw that attached to the tail was a huge, fluffy ball of orange fur, and attached to the fluffy ball of orange fur was a pair of big green eyes staring at him. It was a large, orange cat. Aye, I, I see you know. Who are you, and how do you know where I should go anyway? said Max. Top of the morning to you, lad. 
Name's Albert L. Wishes for long, but L for short. Me friends call me Big L. I've got good reason to know where you should go, because I climbed up here to figure out the path I should take myself, said Al. Aye, aye, I see. Me name's Maximilian Braveheart the Bruce for long, but everyone calls me Max to make talking shorter. Can you come down and chat with me then? asked Max. Well, that's the problem. I'm hiding, and I'm afraid to move, said Al. Hiding from what? asked Max. Enormous flying beasts, answered Al. What kind of crazy thing are you saying? said Max. I'll tell you the story, lad. I'd been traveling a long while, and I were really hungry. It had been at least two whole hours since I had eaten. As I climbed up a tree to see if I could see a way out of the forest, I spotted an unusual brown pouch hanging from the tree. Oh, it smelled sweet, like food. I thought I would just help myself to some of whatever it were. So I stuck me paw inside a hole in the bag. Ah, Max, it were the sweetest, yummiest stuff I ever tasted. It did make quite the mess with me fur, since it were sticky, though. As I were purring with delight, these enormous flying beasts came after me. They had big black eyes and fangs that bit me over and over again. It were terrible. I jumped down branch by branch, while the cloud of enormous flying beasts followed close behind. I landed on the ground and began running around in circles through the forest. I must have lost them, cause I made me way back to the clearing again. I ran up this tree as fast as I could, and I saw this branch of red and orange leaves where I could hide. It worked, cause the enormous flying beasts flew right by me and on into the forest. Twas quite the terrible experience, Max. Oh, sure, and I've never been so scared in all me life, exclaimed Al. Uh, I guess it were scary for a cat. Me, I'm not scared of anything, said Max. Well, almost anything, Max thought to himself. You had to see it, Max. I know you would have been scared, too, argued Al. Well, there doesn't seem to be any enormous flying beasts around no. Why don't you come down? I'm here, and we'll keep an eye out to protect you, said Max. Al gratefully smiled and slowly made his way from branch to branch, looking cautiously around him as he hit the ground with a thud. Much obliged to you, lad, and pleased to make you friendship, said Al. Max grinned. Al was indeed big. He had never seen such a large orange cat. Al's pink nose was framed by white, fluffy fur, as was the underside of his big belly. His whiskers reached far out to either side of his face, sitting on top of the wide collar of fur around his neck. Al bent down to nudge Max with his nose in appreciation, accidentally smearing some honey on Max's face. So tell me, Big Al, what exactly did you see up there? asked Max, using his tongue to lick away the honey. He smiled when he tasted the sweet goo. Oh, I seen the cloud I've been following for a few days, replied Al, as he began licking the sticky honey off his paw. Cloud? What does it look like, and where is it now? eagerly asked Max, still licking his chops. 
It's white and puffy, but has a strange fire coming from it. It's along the path I were telling you to take, said Al. Aye, well enough. I have been following the same fire cloud myself. Do you know anything about it? How did you come to follow it? asked Max. Well, lad, I hail from fair Ireland on the west coast, aye, the most beautiful coast the Maker ever did create. One day I were basking in the sun after a big breakfast, and I fell asleep. I were up high on the cliff overlooking the sea when this huge wind started to blow. It blew me to rolling over, it did. Sure, and I thought it were going to blow me off the cliff. Max sat eagerly listening to Al's story, a growing excitement stirring inside. He was licking his chops, but now mainly from what he heard this cat say. All of a sudden, I heard the voice echoing in the cave nearby, telling me to come. Now what in the world were I to do with such a thing, I ask you? I never heard such. So I crept over to the cave, and it spoke again, and said, Come to me. I thought it were a friend playing a joke on me in the cave. So I walked inside, but there were no one in it. The voice then said to follow the fire cloud, interrupted Max. Hi, lad, it did as sure as you're standing there low to the ground, replied Al, drawing a stern look from Max, who didn't take short comments very well. Well, I'll be, Al. I can't believe we were called the same way. I heard the voice, too, blown in the reeds. I, I've been on a journey from Scotland, replied Max. Where do you suppose it be leading us, Max? asked Al. I don't know, but me wise friend Gilliman told me it must be the maker calling me to do something important, Max said, fondly thinking of his wise old friend. <gasps> you don't say the maker hisself? I must be something big if he done called the two of us. What do you suppose it is? asked Al. I really have no idea, Al. I only know that the fire cloud is leading me, and when it stops, I stop. When it goes, I go. Tis a grand adventure. I were just thinking last night how it would be good to have a friend on the journey. And look if I didn't run into you, said Max. Aye, lad, I were a bit lonely and a bit scared. I'm glad to have your company, too replied Al. Max and Al were grinning with the joy of having found a friend, feeling a weight of burden off their shoulders simply of not being alone any longer. Just then, a bee came buzzing around Al. Ah! Help! Help me, Max! The beast has returned to get me! cried Al. Max looked at the bee and his newfound friend and thought to himself, What a scaredy cat this! He took his reed and shooed the bee away into the forest. He came back and said, Bumbies? Your enormous flying beasts are bumbies? I see why your friends call you Big Al. It certainly isn't just for your grand size from your grand appetite, lad. It must be from your grand imagination, too. Aye, but they sure seemed like enormous flying beasts when they were chasing me, explained Al. Max looked at Big Al, not saying a word. Al looked down at his sticky paws. I, you did tell the truth, Max. I do have this way of making things bigger than they sometimes are, said Al. You need always be true, Al. 
Your friends will trust you if you're true in what you see, replied Max. I, I knew. I will try harder, Max. If you see me doing it again, you have permission to set me right, okay? said Al. Ah, well enough. That's what friends are for, to shoot you straight, I always say. No worries, lad. Let's get on with our journey and see where this fire cloud is telling us to come, suggested Max. The two friends started down the right path that led in the direction of the fire cloud. As they entered the dark, dense path, a canopy of trees and sticky bushes enveloped them. Al stuck close to Max, nervous at the sounds coming at them from every angle. There were frogs ribbiting, insects buzzing, birds squawking, and unknown creatures making noises that continually made Al jump and ask, What were that? Max felt somewhat annoyed that this big animal breathing down his neck was such a big baby. Ah, well enough. I'll learn patience in leading me new friend, thought Max. I'm grateful for his company, close as it is to me. Max and Al walked for a long while, getting to know each other and talking about their respective homes and friends. Max told Al all about the Glen, Gilliman, and how the reeds blew and spoke to him. Al asked why he carried the reed, and Max told him of how Gilliman suggested he bring it as a reminder. But more importantly, it was the reed that had helped him cross the big creek. Al had never left the coastal area of Ireland. Like Max, he felt many of the same feelings about leaving home. Al told Max all about Ireland, a wonderful green island full of beauty, surrounded by the deep blue sea. But Max was curious. How did Al get across the sea to Scotland? Well, I'll tell you how I crossed the Great Sea. I walked down the water, sure there's your standing there, lad, exclaimed Al. Max looked at his friend with fresh doubt, wondering as to the truthfulness of Al's story. Walked on water? Just how did you manage to do it there, laddie? asked Max sarcastically, a stern look on his face. You don't believe me, do you? said Al sadly. No, I don't, replied Max. I told you to tell the truth to your friends. How do you expect me to believe such a crazy thing? I, I know it appears I be telling a big story, but it's true. Here's the full of it. I were walking by the sea and looking at the fair shore of Scotland, wondering how I could get a cruise. For you see, the fire cloud were sitting right on top of your fair land, it were. I followed the beach as it curved around and soon came to a skinny part that just kept going. I were on the bottom of the sea, but it were sitting on top of the water, explained Al. Max was curious, but not convinced Al was telling the truth. Still, he remembered how the maker had provided a way across the big creek for him. If Al was also called to follow the fire cloud, surely the maker would do the impossible for him as well. And just how is the bottom of the sea supposed to sit on top of the water? questioned Max. I'm not sure. It just did. It were as if a tiny stretch of beach just kept reaching across the sea. I just walked on top of it. There were water splashing on either side, for it were a skinny piece of beach. But it were there, sure as you're standing there, Lou. Al caught himself before he made another short comment about Max. Hmm, well, I guess it could happen if there were land under your feet out into the sea, 
At least you made it to Scotland, said Max. Al smiled with relief to see his new friend dare to believe him, for it was an unusual story. He didn't like the feeling of not being trusted. It hurt his spirit, for Al truly had a good heart. Max and Al kept making their way through the thick shrubs of heather that lined their scrubby path. The woodsy smells of the forest were a sweet aroma to Max. It felt as if he could bite the air and chew the tasty fragrance. It dawned on him that he was hungry, thinking such daft thoughts. How about we find some food to eat? asked Max. Aye, me feelings exactly, replied Al excitedly. We're in luck, Al. Up ahead, methinks I see strawberry plants, and even a chestnut tree as well, said Max. The two friends stopped and ate their fill, glad to have a time to rest. They traveled on after their meal, eager to reach the end of the forest and see the fire cloud once more. But they would not reach the end of the forest before nightfall. And Al was about to become far more scared than he had been in his entire life. Ah, oh, it was Al. Aye, our big orange Irish kitty friend. And uh, I've got a treat for you, lass. All the way from Ireland on the cat chat. Greetings, Al. Ah, oh, Al, c'est magnifique. Liz, that be you? Oui, how are you, Al? Ah, uh, me fine day. Just got a wee bit finer, me pet. Uh, and the same for me too, Al. All right, already. Uh, uh, big Al. We just heard the chapter where you and I first met up. Ah, uh, sure, and that were just what we both were needing. Aye, traveling alone weren't no fun. You poor doggy, you were so scared all on your own. <laughs> Me? Out there you... in the wilds with all them dark places. Now, hold on there, lad. And them scary flying beasties all around. But that were you that were hiding. For no wonder you were a wee bit skittish then. No, we just a... Oh, poor Max. It's a good thing Al was there for you. All right, then. <laughs> Aye. You were just pulling me leash, weren't you? Ah, uh, we, we were teasing. You are Maximilian Braveheart, Sir Bruce. And don't you forget it. Hey, Max? Uh, what were that? Uh, just that announcer, lad. <sighs> Stop sneaking up on me like that and scaring me. Uh, scaring Liz. Stop scaring Liz. I'm fine, Max. She's fine, but uh, Al? Al, are, are you still connected, Al? Uh, is it safe? To come out of hiding? Yes, and besides, you're not really hiding. Oh, yes, I am. Now, your fluffy orange tail is still on the screen, but that's okay, Al. We need to hang up anyway. Miss Jenny is waiting to go on. Well, then, I'll bid you a fond farewell till next time, and goodbye, Liz. Goodbye, Al. I'll be counting the hours and the minutes till once again I gaze upon your lovely... All right, already. already. Bye, Bye, Al. Au revoir, Al. Thankfully, Miss Jenny Cody is ready and waiting to go in Jenny's corner. Today she has a letter from one of her more mature followers. Jenny? Thanks, Liz. I love to hear from readers of all ages, and this week I received a lovely note from a grandmother named Deb King. She lives in Georgia, where I live, and she was writing to tell me about her nine-year-old grandson, Christian, who lives in Minnesota. She says... He has read every book you have written. He is nine now and loves the stories. He is a well-read nine-year-old. When I asked him who was his favorite author, he said it was you. When asked what is your absolute favorite book that you've ever read, he said The Prophet, The Shepherd, and The Star. My daughter says that he quotes the books for class when they're reviewing the Bible. Oh, that's just so awesome. 
His mom told me last night that when she told him I was reading his favorite book, he was irritated and said, she must read from the beginning, not the end. (laughs) I told her it's my favorite because it is my favorite. I didn't know she'd start reading it. So now I'm starting from Noah. So she's starting with the Ark, the Reading the Fire Cloud. He's much happier and likes that I'm reading something he finds exciting. Thanks again, and I'll repeat, keep writing. You are making the Bible come alive and meaningful to a nine-year-old, and my guess is thousands of young people in a way that no one ever has done before. You're a God-inspired woman that is making a difference. I know I see it with my grandson. Thank you. Wow. Deb, thank you so much. I tell you, I can't stress how blessed it makes me feel to hear a grandmother write to me about her grandson and the experience that they're sharing of reading the books and then talking about them and how the Bible is coming alive. So Christian, if you're listening, thank you so much for blessing me back. I call those boomerang blessings that come back and um, just fill my heart with joy to see how you are growing and, and learning and and now sharing with your grandmother. So thanks so much. So if you have a note that you'd like to tell me, maybe about your favorite book or your favorite character or something that you'd like to know, you can send me an email at jenny at epicorderoftheseven.com or go on over to my Facebook page, Jenny L. Cody, and I'll see you there. Thanks for writing. Look forward to reading your note. Thanks, Jenny. And that wraps things up for today. Join us next time on the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, for chapters seven and eight of the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud, when we hear Al say, Ah, Max, help! Help! (laughs) Don't miss it. Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries, and the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud was written by Jenny L. Cody. To purchase your copy of the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud on audiobook, log on to audible.com. And for all the amazing books by Jenny L. Cody, the entire collection of the Epic Order of the Seven, log on to Jenny's website, www.epicorderoftheseven.com. That's epicorderoftheseven.com. See you next time on the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thanks for joining us. Have a grand day! Au revoir, mes amis!